there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Out Loud, an Outmaine original podcast. Today, we have a guest joining us that is a loving parent of an LGBTQ plus kiddo who is going to be bringing up some really, really important topics for us all today. Jay, do you mind telling everyone a little bit more about you and your family? Sure. Um, I am the parent to an only child um, who is currently a tween, um, 11 years old, and um, currently identifying as non-binary, asking for they, them pronouns, exploring their gender expression, and having some questions about their um, sexual identity. Um, I am married. My husband and I are partnered together, trying to be as supportive as we can. Um, we have a kind of expansive family, um, a non-traditional kind of family setup where um, we are a support for a teenager in our family who also is um, what I'm choosing to call right now gender expressive. Um, I think figuring things out um, these days may be more conforming but still questioning. Um, so we're all trying to navigate that together as best as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think family dynamics, they change so frequently, especially when there's like this self-expression, this like identifying journey. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about what's going on for you at home. Uh, we're super happy to have you on today to talk about topics that I know other parents are wanting some guidance with. So if you want to kick us off, what what's kind of the first thing that's on your mind? Yeah, I was glad to talk to you because we've had a lot of questions and I'm sure that other people have the same kind of questions. One that's been weighing kind of heavily on us is how to help when relatives in particular misgender our kiddo or make comments maybe that aren't even directed at them, but maybe might be transphobic or queerphobic. Um, our our kid has asked us for help already with, um, I guess, um, getting involved when that happens and not kind of leaving them to figure it out. And we're really not sure how to best help. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is probably a question that is probably every parent's first worry, right? Like, now we're talking like, okay, like I've started to wrap my brain around like what is happening and the changes and I am, you know, faced with that every day. But like the rest of my family, you know, like that outside my, you know, immediate dynamic is wondering like they don't see them all the time, right? So now there's like this newness and now there's like their lack of practice. Like there's a lot of experiences that uh, become now a little bit anxiety provoking and worrisome. And so- the fact that your child is kind of asking you for help already means that like there's some like they're feeling a feeling about it and they they want something managed, right? And so we always say when something like this happens, like the child's got to lead the way. And by that, I mean like they just got to be in the driver's seat. That doesn't mean they have to be the one to do all the things, um, but having them be the one that's saying, okay, hi, parents, I really need your support because this is how I want it to go. And you're the ones that kind of help facilitate that. So if your child is saying, hey, you know, like I would really not like to be a part of that conversation. I really would like you and dad to handle it. 
then you can say, okay, what what does that conversation look like that you would want me to have? Um, and so this can go a couple of different ways. Maybe it's that your child, you know, is like, no, I actually want to go home now, like, or I don't want this person here, right? Like maybe they've said something that's like really tipped over the edge here and is making them uncomfortable. So there's two things you can do. It's like, well, okay, maybe you can go take space in like a like a safe space for you in our home. Maybe that's a bedroom. Um, maybe that is like uh, an area with like a nice couch where they can like relax. They can put on headphones, listen to music and like decompress for a minute and then come back and try again if it's too much. You know, maybe that's a bigger conversation. And so that might include you having to ask this family member to leave. And that's uncomfortable. That's super uncomfortable. Um, but hopefully that's kind of our last resort, you know, I think having some conversation and open dialogue would be the most important part, Uh, but it really depends on what your child wants you to do. So leaving or leaving the scenario or asking the person to leave is an option. Um, Having the child have a space to get away and decompress is an option. Um, But really what those conversations can look like is really simple if you want it to be. Or it could be more, inten- more a little bit more intense and more educational and more like, okay, we'll ta- we'll keep talking about this now. But I think a lot of the time, you know, say you inter- you're kind of like reintroducing your child to your family member. Hi, this is so and so, and they use these pronouns. You know, and maybe their reaction isn't at first what you want. You know, you can stop them and be like, hey, you know, like before you say anything, I just want to let you know that we love and respect our kid and all of their choices. And no matter what, we're going to stand by them. So if you have questions or you would like resources to learn more, please talk to me about it, right? Like that's like a super easy generic startup to a conversation like that. Um, Some people are a little bit more verbally intense, uh, meaning like their reactions might be, well, what do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. And you can say, hey, this isn't really a time and place for this conversation, but I would love to have this with you separately. And I think for the most part, people are kind of receptive to like the, oh, okay, like you mean business, one, <laughs> right? This is like when those like parent claws come out to say like, nope, like we're not tolerating this. We have a zero tolerance for homophobia in this home because this is my child's home. This is their safe place and we will not be doing this. So that's kind of one way. Do you have like a particular scenario in your mind that feels provoking of anxiety currently? Yes. So I actually have a handy, concrete, recent example. Um, We've moved from out of state. So um, most of our family is away, which means communicating over um, video chat or over the phone, which I don't know, has its pluses and minuses right now. It gives us some space. It means that people are a little bit behind, right? There's not that um, sense of change as our child has changed their like outward and social gender expression, right? So they're not seeing the change in clothes and choices that have happened. And so it's like a conversation, not in isolation, but kind of in isolation, So I feel like they're a little bit lagging behind and we're very lucky in that most people are not directly challenging. However, we're noticing that it's very like, we're going to misgender you. We're going to use this name that you don't want to be called. We're going to keep doing it. 
Um, it almost feels kind of like uh, there's no good way to address it that doesn't then put our child in a position of feeling like they've instigated a conflict that doesn't belong on them. I mean, I feel like we've been clear. And please stop doing that in the middle of this otherwise connected and going well conversation actually feels harder to us than if people were being confrontational. It's a weird place to be. And I get why our kid is asking for help because we feel a little lost. I feel like we would know much more what to do if it was a direct confrontation. But I don't know that we're going to get that. We have a lot more like subtle disapproving. I'm just not going to listen. I'm just going to do it anyways. I'm going to talk over the kid who's trying to tell me a thing. Um, yeah, I'm okay. not sure how to handle it. Yeah. So this is right. Like this barrier of like geographical location is kind of bringing up a thing. Like you said, they're not seeing like the consistent little changes that are happening. So for you and in your home, you're seeing them evolve over time. But for them, it's just like brick wall. Yeah, right? it's like brick wall of here's all the changes and here's what you need to fix. Uh, but still not on the responsibility, you know, of the child to, you know, yeah. be the one saying it, of course. But so my thought is, I'm not sure if these are family members you plan on seeing maybe surrounding the holidays. Um, but as the holidays approach, this might be a more intense conversation um, because essentially it ends up kind of putting you in a scenario where you need to make a choice. Yes. A really hard one. Yeah. To say like, am I going to welcome these type of people into my home if they're going to do this? Or do I give them one shot in person to see my child for who they are currently and see how happy they are and so content and see how we do things? first. And then, you know, maybe there's another conversation. Um, but it, like I said, it does like get, give you a weird position to be in because like I said, you there's kind of like a no tolerance. It's like, hey, if you're not going to do this, then I'm sorry, but you're not invited to Thanksgiving dinner here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like my husband and I are both solid on that's where we're headed. I don't have a problem, though, with finding that middle way and offering, like, some grace. So I guess it needs to be a proactive conversation again before the next time that we talk, saying, look, the last time we talked, um, you know, the conversation overall was great and we were happy to speak with you, but there was a lot of misgendering going on and that's just not a thing. It, it would be different if it was, oh, sorry. I mean, and I'm... I model that. We aren't perfect. We're on this journey also. I, even recently, have used the wrong pronouns. I slipped the other day and used the name that I've been asked not to and had to be like, oh, I don't know why that happened. Sorry, and move on. Like, I didn't want to put that on my kid who was already like, what happened? So I think the modeling piece I'm already doing and then I'm like, kind of, I don't know. A part of me is like, if I can manage this and you don't have to deal with it all the time, can you please just step up to make this kid's life easier? 
Yeah. And that's a really good point because it's, you know, it's like such a small change and they're not realizing of like how important it is to like their livelihood that they do these things. And so another thing that could happen is maybe have your child write a letter to an extended family member and then like you can you can copy and paste it and apply it kind of to every person you want to know. But like maybe that's more heartfelt to have them say like, hey, you know, I really would prefer to for you to use this name and these pronouns and here's why. And not that they need to explain themselves, it's only if they want to, right? Like just to give them a little bit of insight into their mind and let them see like, okay, this is actually really important to them. And it's not like this quote unquote phase that a lot of family members assume is what it is. Um, And so it can kind of put it a little bit more heartfelt, which can be positive. Um, But yeah, I think maybe just a conversation to say like, hey, this is what I noticed. I would be happy to practice with you on the phone when we talk. Yeah. And I, and if you're okay, like I'm, well, not if you're okay, because you're going to correct them. But, you know, if you're like, hey, like I'm fine if we want to like warm up to this idea from now until the time the holidays come around. Like I'm willing to do that with you because I care so much about my child and I care about preserving their relationship with you. Yeah. So that might be kind of the next, the next step. And I think just clue your child in on like, hey, here's what my, th- yeah, my thought is. What do you think about that? And then let them give some feedback along the way. Yeah, that's really helpful. It actually also segues kind of nicely into another question that I had where I'm aware that my kid's experience is not mine and I'm struggling to know when I can share what, how I can get some support about these issues, how they overlap in my own life without crossing boundaries or invading my kid's privacy um an example and why why i thought this question applies is in this current situation i know some of why our child is more sensitive now and the the story of how a friend was unkind and told people without permission about some of the changes that they had made and Maybe we're poking fun. We're not really clear what happened. And the fallout was that the friendship ended. Our family's not from here, so they're not hearing this stuff. It's not a thing that my child has shared. It's a thing that has been personally hard for me as a person and a mom to navigate. And I feel like it would maybe help understand, help other people understand how serious some of this stuff is. I mean, my child was absolutely um, crushed. I think it confirmed a fear. Um, I understood them to be saying that they were afraid that people would say things um, behind their back that would then make people not want to talk to them. And that kind of happened. And so... I don't want to be sharing these painful experiences, these stories that aren't my own, where I don't belong sharing them. But people not knowing this makes it often more about, well, you cut your hair, right? Like, what's the big deal about cutting your hair? Okay, you cut your hair. Okay, it is not (laughs) that simple. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, this is like one of those really gray areas where some things are going to be okay to talk about and others are not. And so I think that this time that you're currently in is just overly important to be having open communication with your child because all these things can change day to day. They can change hour to hour. Like there is no like rule that tells you what is okay to talk about and what's not. I would first probably try and identify with your child like safe people that you want to confide in to have conversations with these about these things with. Say like, you know, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a best friend or a close sibling or family member, whatever that is that like is understanding, you know, just say, just so you know, like if it's okay with you, like these are people that I feel comfortable sharing these things with because I believe that they I can trust them and I believe that this information will stay there. But, you know, that that's my outlet and kind of give them some info there. But then next is, you know, having that conversation of like what feels okay for me to share and what doesn't. You know, if you're saying, hey, hey, kiddo, like I want to be able to stand up for you and I want to be able to help, you know, do things. And sometimes that might be talking about things but do you trust me to let me be like in a good state of judgment to convey those things to people knowing that I'm only trying to protect and help and educate like does that feel okay you know it would never be like you're walking in the grocery store and you're all of a sudden like oh my kid came out as non-binary the other day right like that's not the scenario but if you were like someone was having said something that sat with you wrong and you were like, hey, like I'd actually like to talk to you about that and had this really educational, informative conversation, chances are your child's going to be okay with that kind of lens. But it's still good to check in with them. So I would kind of say like, okay, what's like your hard no's and what are like your sometimes and what are your yeses? Like, can I tell people what pronouns you use? Can I tell people what name you use? If there's a hard no that comes up, you just need to tell me because I need to be aware. And that's okay, whatever you choose, but just know like I need to know. And if anything changes, whether that's you writing them down if you need to, I think it's too fluid to even do that. Um, But yeah, just having that conversation to be like, what is your hard no's? Do you have a friend of mine that you don't trust? You know, like tell me more about that because I can, you know, I can, I'm the adult. I have like this ability to like, navigate what I talk about and what I don't. And so I want to make sure you feel safe. Okay. I'm grateful for the reminder that it needs to not be like a static, well, we talked about this today and these were your yeses and nos, that it is very likely going to continue to evolve. And I don't know if it's helpful for other parents to be thinking about who they're talking to and what they're talking about by using an example. I've had to already, I guess I didn't realize it was doing it several times, talk to my kid about a particular person who's like extended family, a friend who's close enough that our lives overlap, whose children are friends with my child. And my kid is fine with me sharing what's pertinent safely with my friend but doesn't want my friend then talking to the kids and i had to say i want to be really clear before i share anything about this this absolutely needs to stay confidential between us my kid is very sensitive to the idea that you might 
talk with your kids about this and that isn't okay. Exactly. And so you've already done, you know, half that work without even knowing, right? So like, yes, this is exactly the point for you to like share a thing with someone and then for them to like innocently then yeah. share it ends up outing someone. And and then that's like a huge, a huge concern for so many people in the community. And so yeah, just having these conversations and keeping it open because there might be one day where your child's like, you know what, I actually am okay now if they want to share it. You know, not not just like blatant out of nowhere, but like in conversation if they want to, you know, educate them or whatever the case may be. Um, great. But then they might be like, oh, actually, I made this new choice and I don't want to share that with them. And that's okay. Like I said, as long as there's really open communication between you and your child. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. So do you have another uh, another topic in mind that you want to jump to? Yeah. So we kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, these things can have unintended consequences, right? We, we talk to our friends. We're out in the world. We do things. My kid is very worried about other people's reactions to them as evidenced by please don't have your friends talk to my friends right they're also really concerned about strangers giving them a hard time out in the world specifically about the bathroom and because their gender expression right now is gender non-conforming they're kind of afraid that they're going to have somebody challenge them and aren't sure do i use the boys room do i use the girls room do we go to the effort to try and find a gender neutral bathroom? What do we do when there's not one? And I feel kind of crappy because I don't have answers for some of this besides to say, which I think you're going to tell me is the thing to say anyways, well, which bathroom do you want to use? But beyond that, the fear that they have that somebody could say something, I've had to say, yeah, that might happen. So do you want me to go with you? Do you like, I don't, yeah, I don't know how to navigate this though. Yeah, and I don't honestly I don't think that there's a clear way unfortunately. And so you're right. Like telling like letting them truly pick, but you know what? To be honest, there might be scenarios where it's not safe for them to use the bathroom that they prefer. And as unfortunate as that is, their safety is a you know way more important you know, in that, in that moment of time. And so, you know, if they're in a scenario where like there's nasty people in this world that, you know, are going to say something or really hurt them, you know, it's making a choice. Like, do I misgender myself and put myself in these two boxes of like male and female restrooms or do, or do I do the thing that I want, but still know that there might be some backlash? Right. Right. And so I think a lot of what parents can do in these uncontrollable situations is resiliency building. Hey, just so you know, here's like play out a scenario. Okay. What if someone says something to you? What would you say back? Right. Like give them the knowledge, give them the words and the language to stand up for themselves and advocate for themselves and say, hey, like this is what my response would be. Or, okay. Yeah. I really like how you said that where do you want me to be in this scenario? Do you always want me to be waiting by the door? Do you want me to kind of be standing with my foot in the door? Like, how do you want this to look? Because if, you know, then you hear a conversation, you can step in and say, hey, 
you know, my child's just trying to go to the bathroom. We're almost done. Thank you. We're going to go, right? Like there is a way for you to be involved if you need to be so that they can remain safe, but that they can also use the bathroom of their choice. Um, But yeah, just setting them up for success in like the world is not going to be nice to us all of the time. And we know that just as humans in general, like that is the nature of the world. But how else can you like armor them, I guess, is like putting on like another layer of like kind of thick skin and like, okay, you know, like how am I going to protect myself in that moment? And then maybe after it's doing something really gender affirming, right? Like maybe they had a negative reaction at the bathroom, but then they get to go, you know, to the thrift store and pick out something that really feels like part of their gender expression or something like something that like changes that mood to say like, I'm really sorry you went through that, but just know you are loved. You are so loved at home. And here's what we're going to do to make you remember that feeling again, because sometimes it gets lost when other people do such negative things. Um, And so, like I said, as a parent, just like being there to say, hey, let's do something for you that's going to make you feel good because you just had a negative interaction, you know, like, and that doesn't have to be buying something. It could be just having a conversation. It could be, you know, let's list out all the people we know support you, you know, and give them just a little bit of, um, a little bit of like hope back in that scenario. You know, I always hope that the world will change, um, but there's going to be someone out there that's going to be mean and negative, but giving them the strength to overpower and overcome those scenarios is going to be the best bet. Yeah, I think that's huge, Mara. I appreciate that. So we already like really keep resiliency in the forefront of our mind for a kid, but I didn't also think about that um, balance, right? To intentionally be reaffirming, not just they were terrible, but we are not terrible. That kind of reminder that on the other side of that one, you know, mean person is a lot of other people because that the community safety right now is a thing, I guess, maybe because um, now that my child is dressing more gender nonconforming, it's a little bit more obvious. Um, we're noticing more. I wouldn't say that we've had any like concerning incidents, but there's been some commenting, some misgendering, some people kind of being snappy and weird. Um, And it's not just us parents that are feeling it. So I felt one kind of way when it was, I don't know, a, a general safety concern for a kid in the world and a whole other kind of way when it was actually a real thing where people had changed how they were treating my kid, obviously, in public. And I guess I also need to remember that some of that resiliency needs to come from us and the idea that even though right now we're feeling a little lost, that we do know how to handle some of this stuff and we do already do some of the things that would be helpful kind of automatically. Um, I don't know. It, it can feel for us very like, I don't know, us against the world, even though I know better. So I can only imagine what it feels like to be an 11-year-old kid and have that sense. Yeah, 100%. Like, I think I want to just, like, go back and re-highlight the fact that, like, you very much likely already know what the right thing to do is. It just doesn't feel enough. Uh, it, you uh, know, yeah. 
yeah, it just it just feels like, you know, how could I ever protect my child as much as I want to? And I think that's like an overall parent feeling. And so giving yourself a little bit of a pat on the back and a little bit more credit, <laughs> you know, is something I think parents have a hard time doing. But know that like the fact that you have a loving home is doing so much for them, so much more than a lot of LGBTQ plus kids have, unfortunately. And so like that's a protective factor, right? And, you know, thinking about those protective factors in your life are going to help kind of bring you back down to this place of like, I'm doing everything I can. And it's, and I think it's going to be, I think it's obvious to your child and maybe like having that conversation, like, here's what I'm doing in my life. And I just want to let you know, because I care so much about you. And like, you know, I, you know, I'm educating people who I come into interactions with. I, you know, I make sure that I'm practicing pronouns in the mirror so I don't mess them up. And I'm making sure that I'm getting the information on how to change your name legally uh, and your gender marker. And I, you know, like whatever you're doing, like feel free to share those things because sometimes one, sometimes youth don't know how much we're doing. Um, But it will kind of, again, reaffirm like, no, I love you so much and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And just reminding them that there is people in this world that are going to care so deeply for them and will do all of these incredible things um, outside of their home. But they need to find their people. And outside of that, it's likely their, you know, their chosen friends and family that, you know, becomes very close with them. Uh, but yeah, I think just remembering that for yourself. So you can keep on keeping on because it can get a little bit, a little bit overwhelming um, when thinking about the dangers of the world. I mean, given all the, you know, the political environment that is life right now too, you know, just keeping in mind that, you know, things change both ways so frequently. Yes. And, and hopefully, you know, we can keep, keep pushing along. Right. Yeah. That, that segues again, into another topic that I wanted to talk about, you know, it's hard in this phase for us to navigate social media right now or to talk about a lot of um, political topics or to think too hard about what could be the next thing that becomes difficult. And I'm noticing that it's become harder for our kid to navigate social media. I have a hard time with it because my kid is pretty young. Um, We have a really sincere love-hate relationship um we found it really important as a tool to connect to other queer kids um without using the internet and social media as a tool our kid is pretty isolated from other queer kids um especially queer kids their age but tapping into that brings with it all the other reminders of transphobia and violence and political strife and you know reaffirm some of the stuff that they're a little bit nervous about like um you know people being challenged about using the wrong restroom i try to remember to be balanced about it because also some of the like most helpful things my kid participates in a zoom meeting that is incredibly helpful um has some people that they've connected to online who have been really supportive and affirming and it brings with it a whole host of like scary things. And we're not always sure how to navigate that. Yeah. And I think that 
social media is scary for everyone. And then you add this other lens. It's, I mean, to any person that is going through like such huge developmental milestones within their identity, within, you know, just life, right? Like they're growing and they're changing. And then you put in front of them this, you know, opportunity essentially to have people bully them or say rude things or just see violent things. You know, it does, it does damage to some extent. And again, I think it ties back into that resiliency piece because there's honestly not a whole lot we can do. But when those feelings come up for your child, if they're like, yeah, I saw something online today and it just like really didn't sit with me, giving them a tool for how to manage what they're seeing is going to be super important. And for a lot of kids, like that might be journaling. Like I'm feeling really angry when I see these things because this doesn't make sense to me. Um, You know, like you said, you can only censor them so much for these things. Like there needs to be the community that they find within the world that is sometimes virtual because of geographic location. And so, you know, there has to be a balance of like, hey, maybe after you've seen like two things in a day, maybe it's time to tap out for the day, right? Like, let's figure out what your threshold is for managing these things before you start to feel really, really low where you're having trouble bringing yourself back up. So it might be like their own um, kind of like temperature gauge (laughs) or, you know, when do things get too boiled over. Um, But when are we like, oh, okay, that was rough, but I can like, I can brush that off. I can be okay knowing that I have, you know, all these other good things in my life. But if it's, if it's something like, you know, it's really, really bad one day, you know, that's okay. Let's maybe take a couple of days off of social media. Like, you know, clearly we've, we've struggled with some stuff or let's only use and utilize like our safe space platforms for that interaction. Um, because it's it's hard, it's unpredictable, and we can't control what, what comes across the feed and the headlines and the the what's going on, um, and the and you know even the why of it is really triggering. Well, the other piece is that the context has changed, right? Things that wouldn't have maybe been as challenging because of where they're at feel different now. It didn't. I don't think feel the same to hear about um you know bathroom laws before it was a thing in their life that they were like hmm i'm not sure which bathroom to use but this idea that somewhere in another state they're like you must use this bathroom hit different now and so it's similar with some of the other issues stuff that um they were maybe aware of but weren't as affected by is changing so I appreciate the reminder to be watching before they're overly upset. I think that's a thing that's a personal struggle for our family. Um, we have a pretty intense kiddo who um, can swing kind of wildly between I'm pretty okay to I'm way overstimulated or way upset and finding that place where it's hard but manageable. I think is going to be an important part of figuring out where the line is, how to help, when to take breaks, maybe even what breaks look like. Um, Because sometimes I really feel like it's upsetting enough that we've had to say, we need to walk away from this for the rest of the day. This needs to be put down and put aside because when you're this kind of upset, 
no good comes from continuing to be this upset trying to navigate it. Just let's put it away. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we tend to get down about things, we do a deeper dive. We kind of like doom scrolling. Yeah, we hone in on all those negative things and they kind of like stick with us more. And so in my mind, like something that just popped in there is like maybe there's like a tally system on the fridge. It's like, you know, good versus (laughs) not so good things that are popping up. And whenever that's out of balance, maybe that's like the time. It's like, oh, like, you know, I saw that's really negative thing, but I have two check marks on the good side because my friend came over and we had a really great time and they used my name and pronouns correctly. Like whatever that looks like, because sometimes a visual actually helps us to like think about it more or just having a conversation like uh, Rosebud and Thorn, you know, like those, what was the best part of your day? What was like a bad part of your day? And what's something you're excited for? Um, And so we do that in our, our online youth groups a lot. And so again, the rose is like the good thing of the day. The thorn is the not so good thing or the thing you wish you could change. And then the bud is something that's, you know, coming up, something that's newer and blooming that you are looking forward to and helping them recognize them after so that they can start recognizing them as they're happening can be a really good tool for setting up for some success there. That's really helpful. I really like the idea of making it concrete and visual. I think in particular that would help in our situation. Um, And I don't know, I I can be a little black and white myself. And sometimes I want to just be like, everything feels too scary. We just need to be off social media. No, thank you. But I'm very aware in this phase, particularly at this age, that we're really trying to help them figure out how to navigate friendships and learn who to trust which is another thing I have a question about because it feels particularly hard right now for this kid in this aged stage with what they're going through in the social transition to know how to handle friends and friendship. We're hearing a lot of feedback that's very like catastrophic. Like I'm not ever going to make friends who are really going to accept me. People seem to always have like a bad thing to say that then they're gonna just decide to be done or they're secretly making fun of me behind my back for how I dress or um, that I cut my hair. Um, And it's been hard because I feel like tweens just friendship is a hard thing to navigate anyways. You add these other layers of complexity on top of it and we're like, I don't know, again, a little in the weeds ourselves with how to help them understand how to navigate it. And so I'm like, all right, if we take away social media, the place that we know there's at least two safe spaces that they have where they feel like people are less likely to be judging in that way, that they're accepted and can just be okay. I'm like, well, I guess we just have to deal with social media then because I don't want to take that away. Yeah, I think there's like a fine line of balance there and you're asking so many good questions. And so what I'm going to do is encourage people to join us for our part two to answer the rest of this question. So Jay, thank you so much for everything that we've had conversations about today. I think this is super important. And everyone tune back into part two and we'll start right off the bat with these conversations about friendship. Thanks, Mara. Thank you.